This episode of Into the Wild is sponsored by Leica Sport Optics. It's well known and proven that connecting with wildlife and nature can improve your overall well-being. So why would you not want to turn it up a notch by getting to see things even closer and clearer with a set of binoculars? It's what I have done and I've not looked back. I can't recommend enough checking out the range of optics that Leica have to offer. A great range of kit with superb optics and they even have payment plans if you don't have the cash up front. I wouldn't shout about a company on the show that I haven't used or been impressed by, and it's important to me that companies we are partnered with have the same values as Into the Wild, which is why I'm proud to give them five thumbs up. If you want to check out more of Leica's range, then visit their website that can be found in the write-up of this episode. And now, on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to Into the Wild, your weekly podcast all about wildlife, conservation and nature. I'm your host, Ryan Dalton. As always, thanks for clicking play on the pod. Ah, nerds, it rained. It rained this week in London. I have never been happy. <laughs> As a ginger in summer, I was like, yes, come on. Finally, it's rain. The plants can drink, the snails can wake up, the frogs can stretch and go for a safe walk. Ah, I'm so happy. So, so happy. Still summer, it's still warm, but the ground's looking a bit greener and a bit more alive, and that is good news and talking of good news let's ju- i'm not gonna waste any time this week i'm gonna get on with 60 second nature news because i feel like wherever we are in the world we need that positivity we need it more than ever and i have hopefully got you back and i've got four nature stories from around the world um with some incy wincy bit of good news for you so um let's take a deep breath let's get ready as i go into 60 second nature news <sighs> Let's go. In Mungaby, Madagascar, the black and white ruffed lemur, a species that the IUCN recognises as critically endangered, makes a first appearance after an absence spanning a decade and a half. Once in the Mungaby region, it is likely that the species left due to disturbance and habitat lost, but the area was granted a protected area in 2005, and whilst it's still early to say if the lemurs have made a permanent comeback, it definitely is a good sign. Pakistan officials have requested that the transfer of hundreds of garial crocodiles from Nepal in an effort to reintroduce the species last seen in Pakistan in 1985. Nepal have confirmed the communications but are concerned that Pakistan haven't done enough to secure the crocodile's protection and future. Talks are continuing and hopefully we see the successful return. An incredibly rare flower has been found in West Papua. Described only recently in 2013, this blue orchid was rediscovered during joint surveys led by the West Papua's Natural Resource Conservation Centre. And finally, Butterfly Conservation tweeted to announce that the high brown fritillary has had an excellent year at Dartmouth National Park with strong numbers recorded at known locations as well as sightings at new or historically occupied sites. And that's the end of 60 Second Nature News. I think that might actually be 60 seconds this week. Oh, right, there we go. 60 Second Nature News. A huge thank you, can I just say, to Ash Whiffin for last week. I threw her in at the deep end to record 60 Second Nature News and the intros with me, but she did a great job. Um, it was 1 minute 30, Ash got it done in, but there was some lengthy, lengthy bit of news. If I have done that in one minute, and I'll see when it comes out, I'll be WhatsApping Ash to rub it in. 
Anyway, on to today's episode. This is our next episode, episode five, recorded at Global Bird Fair this year. And this time I am talking to someone incredibly important, and that is the CEO of the RSPB, Becky Spate. It was such a privilege to get the chance to talk to Becky. I had so many questions for her, like, you are so busy and are in such a position of power (laughs) in such a great organization how do you have time to do anything i didn't go with that question instead i went with some more professional questions (laughs) but it was um it really was lovely to get the chance to talk to becky about her role at the rspb how that was during covid what she sees for the future what we should be doing in this country to do with uh managing our bird species and natural uh, land resources and our wild spaces and all stuff like this it was really lovely to get to chat to her and we had a, a, a really big honest open discussion about the natural world especially within the UK. This is a look at the RSPB with Becky Spate. Becky, welcome to Into the Wild. Lovely to have you here. It's fantastic to be here. I feel like I've got royalty on here. Is that (laughs) right to say? And you're wearing the red, white and blue dress. <laughs> do you know, do you know, I, do you know I, I slightly am, aren't I? But it, do you know, it's just the coolest thing because it's so hot here well, today. Yeah, I, you know, I just said to Becky now for the listeners, it's the afternoon heat has now come in. It's, what, 3.30 now and it's starting to feel... Yes. Um, and this water will be gone by the end of the I know, show. I keep getting taken kind of right down into the back of tents to talk to people <laughs> and just thinking, don't take me anywhere hotter. No, don't, these yeah. are fine. Um, yeah. How are you doing? Well, should we start with the obvious question? Mm. Do you want to tell everyone who you are and what you do? So I'm Becky Spate and mm. I'm the Chief Executive of the RSPB, the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. And, and I've been doing it three years. Yeah, something like that. Three years. And yeah. you said to me as we first met, you started during lockdown. Just before lockdown. Just before yeah, lockdown. literally just before. So yeah. was that weird starting that role and then everything going yeah. completely different? Yeah. So I was actually, I mean, I say just before, it was a few months before. Yeah. And I was um, lucky in that the team kind of pinged me off to like the four, <laughs> the four UK countries. So I, I felt like I had actually met some folks face to face. So that was that stood me in good stead actually. And then of course we went into lockdown, and it was kind of like everybody else. It was like, oh yeah. my goodness, what's going to happen in terms of our people? What's going to happen in terms of their health and their family's mm. health? What's going to happen in terms of our volunteers? Everything was up in the air. So it's, it was a kind of a bit of a roller coaster, but. Um, but we've come through it, like yeah. lots of that. And we've come through it, I think, different. Uh-huh. But I think we've learned some stuff and, you know, we're kind of regrouping as well. So, yeah. It takes a while. It's, there's like a recovery time from it, isn't it? Like, yeah. even though it's been, well, I mean, God, it feels like forever now ago. Yeah. As quick as it all happened and as long as it felt, yeah. it now feels like a lifetime ago for me personally. I don't know if that's for everyone, but... Do you find that now, like for the RSPB, you've got that real... Have you had to set out a map plan of what to do next after the pandemic? Uh, Well, we had sort of through the pandemic period, we were writing what we call our strategy for the next 10 years. 10 years seems ridiculous in a world that's changing. Goes quick. But do you know what? It kind of sets that sort of long-term destination that you want to get to. So we have got that, which is great. Um, and then we're trying to kind of just go, kind of we have a three-year plan, you know, that sorts out the money and the resources yeah, we need yeah. to kind of get us there. Um, and we've got, you know, we've got, you know, we're, we're the RSPB, so we've got targets. <laughs> so we've got kind of, you know, targets for what we want to get to. Um, and we've got some quite big shifts that we want to make with the organisation over that period of time. So it, it's kind of, it's just, it just, I like to think it's our kind of, it's our big map. 
basically. Yeah, yeah. And kind of, you know, how you negotiate the next year might vary a bit and all of that, but ultimately that's where we're headed. And I yeah. think that's been that's been a really good process to go through. You know, we talk to some members about it, we talk to partners about it, mm. you know, and it just feels like it's a really owned, shared map. Yeah. Amazing. And this so this job role for you is heavily involved with the natural world. Mm. So obviously something that means a lot to you. But is there a, a bit of the natural world that you love the most personally? Is there something that you've connected with that you're like, as varied and complex as it is, that's the bit right there that I love? Gosh. <laughs> I know yeah, it's a that's big question. A great, it's a great question. Well, actually, I read this great article um, yesterday, and it was um, something that Iris Murdoch had written, the writer. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. And she talks about the power of nature to unself you i.e. to make you much less obsessed with kind of what's going on in your head or yeah. what, you know, what you're thinking about and much more kind of in tune with a much bigger world that's going on around you. And that's the thing I think nature does for me, which I find really brilliant. So I love just like if I'm on a walk, just like, you know, lying down on top of a kind of a cliff somewhere in the sunshine, yeah. you know, just hearing the birds, just kind of seeing what's happening out at sea. It's just, I just find it's just, I just reconnect with the wider world and I just think that's such a positive thing to do you, you know? can have a clearer understand of it, understanding of it then I yeah. find because sometimes you can get I mean it's very easy to get absolutely <laughs> worried about this world yeah. that you can go and lay in a field and go it makes sense yes. it, I feel more centred about it now yeah, yeah. And, and, as, as, and as vegan as that, that sounds of me saying <laughs> 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 as yes, it does and as green as and stereotype that there is that feel of going if i just go and lay down and connect and like you yeah. said listen the sensory part of nature yeah yeah you just start to make sense of it all i'm i'm lucky enough to have a garden where i live in nottingham and um at the end of a really busy day if i just go out and just like lie mm. in the grass and i literally swear i feel the earth kind of turning beneath right? my back I, yes. just, it just, it, I just reconnect with yes. kind of what really matters and I think that's so that's what I love nature for for connecting me to the the real stuff the yeah. stuff that really matters my friends always think I've taken something when I say <laughs> that they're like he's not sober <laughs> I'm usually sober not always <laughs> they're like he's, is Ryan alright is he having a breakdown <laughs> um, so the RSPB like you said you have uh, your strategies mm. So my question says five years, but maybe I need to change that to yeah. 10 or whatever. But what is the focus for the RSPB over the next coming years? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of these big shifts we've said we want to make, one is to kind of do more stuff at a really big scale. Okay. You know, and to do more stuff in collaboration with other people. Yes. So we already do quite a bit of that, mm. but we think we've got to push it even further because I just think the enormity of the situation we're in now in terms of what's happening to nature yeah, and biodiversity yeah. just means we've got to do that. So that's one big shift we want to make over this kind of decade. The second is that we really want to connect with more people and more diverse people. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, you will know from your podcast yeah. that the, the sector, the conservation sector, the nature, the nature kind of sector um, tends to be very white, very middle class, yeah. quite middle aged. Now, there are some honourable exceptions to that and that is fantastic to see, yeah. but we've got to kind of make that shift um, because if we don't get more people caring about what's happening to our natural world, we're stuffed basically. So yeah. that feels really, really yeah. important. Um, another big shift is we think we want to open up 
more um, financing opportunities so that we think there's there's more money out there that could be used really helpfully yeah. to, to kind of save nature. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, things like kind of the money that's going into carbon funding at the moment, for example, you know, we just re- really want to open that up for, mm. you know, not just ourselves, but for the whole kind of sector. And we're doing quite a lot of work on that at the moment. Um, and then I'd say another thing is just kind of um, making sure that we are, we feel really relevant you know that's an important one do you know what I'm so glad you've said that because that is something that can easily slip yeah. away from organisations you can very quickly you know, can't and it? particularly you know if you're a big organisation yeah. you know, we have you know we have over a million members yeah. we have kind of you know 2,000 staff we have 12,000 volunteers I think it's very easy in a big organisation to get sort of stuck in your own little bubble 100% and, and you know and that's not what it's about yeah, yeah. it's actually about changing the world yeah. and to change <laughs> yeah. the world you've got to be relevant yeah. to as many people people as possible and you've got to be working on the issues that really matter so you know that feels really important to me as well um so those are just some of the shifts that we really want to make and um you know having said all that we've got lots of targets around the work we want to do kind of you know in the uk around the world in the uk overseas territories marine you know we've got lots of that that underpins all of that but in terms of the top shifts i say those are they yeah that's really cool Um, can i can i recommend one collaboration yes because this is something i've spoken to a lot of people about so i'm a professional dog walker as well yes so i know the issues between and it's not one of the main ones, but there's you yeah, know, with yeah. dog walking around the UK, yeah, yeah. Um, not from a professional level, but from a you know domestic level. Yes, the impact it has. I would love to see more collaboration with like the Dogs Trust or someone like that, or like even the Kennel Club, where there can be the nature industry talking to that and going, "We've got this issue. You guys have that." audience yes. can we talk together yeah, that's yeah. just i'm going to throw that out there no 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 i think it's a really good suggestion when i actually i, I used to look after the woodland trust mm. and we did some work on that when i yeah. was working at the woodland trust and with some success i think um at the end of the day it's about people having that greater understanding of the issues yeah, yeah absolutely. You know? yeah, and they're yeah. quite complex issues to explain they really are they really know? are and sometimes not of interest yeah, as well. yeah, that's the yeah. challenge all yeah. of that so i think you know where i've seen that sort of intervention work really well is on some of the beaches for example where oh, you know, cool. you've got kind of ground nesting birds kind yes. of you know and you're trying to kind of keep dogs under control at mm. least in that area and i've seen some really skilled volunteers have really good conversations with people people get it and they kind of you can see their behavior changes and they then start kind of changing the behavior of other Exa- dogs exactly yeah see. you start to see it filtering out yeah don't yeah, you? yeah yeah so I, if you could somehow bottle that kind of you know fantastic <laughs> knows how to and bottle get it out that, there yeah yeah, yeah that, that's that's the know. thing i think we've got to get to amazing um but, uh, but you're absolutely right. And so you're, but you're right. Those kind of collaborations, I think, is where it's at. You yeah. know? You're, you're then taking the two audiences from the two yeah. organisations and kind of slamming them together. Yeah, and totally. Going, you know, we can cross over with information. Yeah. And it's because, you know, not every nature person knows what a dog needs. Not every dog owner knows what nature needs. But if they can work together and go, actually, you can walk your dog like this. Yes to benefit nature or oh guys if you tell people to do that it, yeah. there's so many ways yeah. maybe I need to do it maybe Becky maybe it's a job for me I've just given myself more work on the podcast I can hear I'd my girlfriend it. now I'd going shut up Ryan you've got enough on do <laughs> um, it do it I, I'm really happy to hear about the diversity aspect because it's like you said it's, it's something that no one can ignore yeah. um, and something that is changing in certain elements but slowly with us still having that gap in the demographic of people that are involved or, or feel that can, they can be involved in wildlife or wildlife conservation. What do you think is the best way for like the RSPB to tackle that? Well, 
Yeah, yeah, it's a big ask. I think. Well, I think I don't think it's just one thing. Yeah. So I think it's a whole heap of stuff, mm. um, and that's that's partly why it takes time mm. because it is quite complicated. Something we we had tried for a number of years, I think, to have a kind of um, an EDI equality, diversity and inclusion programme yeah. you know, run out of our kind of, you know, our, our people directorate in a very worthy sort of way. And it had got, it had made some progress. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's got to go much deeper than that. So we're now kind of almost rebooting that whole approach and right. kind of getting much deeper into the organisation to really make sure the organisation is genuinely inclusive. Yes. You know, yeah, and yeah. I think that's really, really important. So sort of something quite cultural about yeah. the organisation. And then I think it's just so important that people can see themselves reflected in the sector. And I think that's that's a really important, important piece. Yeah. So it's been great seeing more people of colour, more young people, you know, coming into the sector and being in it. And I think that just builds confidence. So the kind of work that kind of, you know, flock together are amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they have they have really made a, a change, I think, for the sector they through really doing have, the work yeah, they absolutely. have. Fantastic. Um, some really brilliant kind of young birders, young mm-hmm. naturalists that are really making a difference. And, and we need to take these people and an organisation like ours can give these people a platform and really make them visible and I think that's really really important as well and I think you know where where I'm at on this is that you know we we need everybody right this yeah. is a crisis yes 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 we need Treat everybody like so yeah. so you know we need to be making sure that we are kind of not only kind of opening doors to everybody but making sure they feel really at home once they kind of walk through that door right. and I think that feels really important and that does that does take time it is a bit of a kind of journey for want of a better word well no but, it is though but, isn't it it is because do you find it's hard with the I'm, I'm sorry not, yeah. not but as a CEO do you find the because it's it's hard to figure out the inclusion aspect of it but do you find it hard to have the discussion within or, an organization is that sometimes from all angles from people feeling like they're being heard yeah. and other people feeling like they're you know I don't want to project or say something but say like they're, they're nervous to say something because yeah. of society pressures do you find that discussion within an organization is hard to manage yeah no, not hard to manage but I think you have to deliberately create the space for it yes so um i think that's been a really useful bit of work we've done is to kind of make sure we've we've created the space where we can have that conversation as an organization because you're right Mm. there are people uh in our organization who have definitely felt that they haven't been heard for example you know and have found things really tough and then equally there are people in the organization who just wonder what the hell the whole thing's about because you know you know and then there's probably people in the organization who would love to be in that conversation but feel nervous about being in that conversation i think they're going to say the wrong thing they're going to do something in the wrong way you know and and i think it's just kind of creating the space where you can just make sure that everybody's at least on the pitch you know (laughs) and kind of understands kind of you can all be here and and i think that's that's really important and i think you can't just jump to that i Mm. think you've just got to put the time in and put the effort in because this is this is really important and it's 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 not an easy thing but it's so important we've just got to put the time in we've got to put the energy in and we've got to make it happen yeah absolutely um i want to talk about the uk for uh, for a moment which you know this beautiful island we all sit upon um it's from a government and a conservation perspective we say or claim that we are world leading in conservation um However, <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> we, 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 we yes. both just laughed at that no, sentence. No, no, no. I don't even need to answer, answer we have, the question. We have, you know, we have had a PM who's been keen on being world leading. Uh, yes, exactly, yes, in yeah. a number yeah, of things. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. 
uh, in a record time of saying stupid mm. things, he's world leading. But it, we, we're sat there saying we're world leading in wildlife conservation from a government mm. and from a country. But considering we are eighth from the bottom mm. in regard into our wild space and our biodiversity, yeah. and we are part of Western Europe, which, you know, is uh, contributes to the a majority of the global collapse in, yes. in regards to biodiversity. Do you still think that's something that is fair for us to claim as a country? <laughs> well, I mean, politicians claim what politicians claim. And that's a very know, true sense. As, as, as part of the politics world. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think, so, you know, love him or loathe him, you know, Boris Johnson has actually, as PM, said a lot about nature said a lot compared to yeah. compared to kind of you know um some some previous pms um and and a lot of big commitments have been made on the global stage yeah as well as kind of you know in terms of domestic yeah. policy i would say there hasn't been enough action yeah to kind of back that up and to make make the, the stuff happen that we need to happen in order to deliver to those commitments um but i think to be fair you know those commitments have been made yeah um, I think what really matters now is that we absolutely take the action and take it soon enough to make a difference. Right. And I'm a bit kind of um, infamous in the organisation for always saying that I feel the, the hot breath of the climate and nature yeah. crisis breathing on the back of my neck because I think that that's the big thing now. Are we going to get stuff done in, yeah. time, in time to make it, enough yeah. difference? Yeah. Um, and so um, that's what I would kind of want to hold our politician, politicians to account on. Whoever the next PM is, you know, at the moment we, we, we sit still here have not no idea who yet. that's <laughs> going to be. Um, and, 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 you know, in future, you know, whatever happens to our political landscape, it's about holding them to account to deliver to those ambitions. Because, you know, if we don't crack on with it, it's going to be too late. Oh, it's, so, it's so scary, isn't it? Like whenever I hear this, I've, that sentence has been said so many times on the yeah, podcast. Going, sorry. <laughs> well, no, 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 but it's just, but because it's the case, it's the true fact. Yeah. But if it's not tackled with now, there will be a tipping point. Yes. And I think the more I think about that, and obviously I try not to, but the more I think about it, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to do it. And that, but that's what worries me with the world leading stance mm. is that with that mindset, we think it's fine because mm. we're in front. So then we, we walk around nature, we walk around the UK and we go, well, it, we're world leading, so this is fine. But actually, in the reality, we're seeing near the bottom. So yeah. we need to recognise that what we're seeing is it's depleted. Is depleted. Yeah, yeah. And I think when, when people start to realise that, like, I think it was a couple, of, or maybe less than a couple of years ago, you know, I'd go up to the Lake District. And when I started to learn that that was not a good, mm. or, uh, or going up to kind of Yorkshire and seeing the moors or something like that, and you're going, no, that's depleted. That's not okay. Yeah. And when you start to see it, you really start to see yeah. it. But I think until people realise that, that change is hard to make. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And it's this big issue, isn't it, about people kind of take as the baseline what they know. Yeah, yes. So, yeah. you know, I kind of, um, I always remember talking to my mum about kind of what the natural world was like when she was a child. Yeah. You know, and it was, it, it, the, the big word is abundance. There was just lots of it and lots more of it. You know, and that's that's the thing that we've lost really is that abundance. You know, people talk about the great thinning, and that is that is what I think we are absolutely experiencing and have been for a, a number of decades now. So I think you know there are two there are two massive challenges you know in the natural world. I mean, one is 
saving species that are now on the brink of extinction, yeah. you know, and we have a number of those. Yeah. And the other is bringing back that abundance, bringing back that sense of lots and lots of nature. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and, and we've got to do that in the context of the climate crisis. So we've got to do it in a way that addresses not only the biodiversity crisis, but also the climate crisis, you know. Yeah. So, so it's, it is a complex web. And, and, and then finally, we've got to do it quickly, yeah. you know, yeah, because, yeah. because time is running out. So it is a big ask, but I, I, I think part of the job of an organisation like the RSPB is to hold those politicians to account and to kind of tell the truth about what's going on and, and make sure that they do take action fast enough to make a difference. Absolutely. And do, do you think that we should be listening and, and learning from indigenous communities about around the world about conserving nature considering the statistic that they make up five percent of the global population but they secure up to 80 percent of the yeah. world's biodiversity yeah do you think that it's time for somewhere like the uk from again from a government and from a ngo uh, perspective to start listening and learning from their ways of conserving absolutely mm. absolutely yeah i think i mean if i think about our own work so where where I think our work is most successful is where we do it absolutely hand in hand yeah. with the indigenous communities concerned. So places like Gola, for example, or Harapan in Indonesia, you know, where we've absolutely really tried to do that. And that's yeah. where you get the biggest wins, not only really? for nature, but for people as well. Yeah. But, it, but it is quite challenging, you know, yeah. it is it, you know, bringing together all those different needs and getting to a kind of common purpose. It's, it's a big ask, yeah. but that's where you get the big success, basically. Um, I, I think, you know, indigenous communities um, just, just often see the world in a very different way as well. So there's something about that kind of, um, spiritual and philosophical mindset as well that's very different yes. which i think we could we could really learn from you know in in the in the west you know particularly with capitalism you know we don't half like kind of putting a, a, a neat boundary around something and kind of then kind of you know uh, pushing pushing it as hard yeah. as we can in order to kind of generate the most growth that we can you know yeah. that's how we see the world and i think you know the fact that so many indigenous communities don't see the world like that and see yeah. it in a very different way that there are huge lessons to be learned for us there um, and I, I, I just think, I think increasingly um, those lessons are being learned. The big ask again is, will it happen in time? In I time, mean, you yeah. know, I was at COP26 um, in Glasgow. Um, indigenous voices were supposed to be really well represented at that COP. They kind of weren't. Often really? they couldn't get, yeah, often they couldn't get into the big debates and so on. I, you know, I think we've just got to really just do that harder, faster. Yeah you know, really listen to those voices because they hold a lot of the answers, I think. I, I believe it's a case of valuing wildlife as well and valuing the natural yes. world more. I think it's, like you said, from our capitalist way of life yeah. and from our just our way of life as well, I think we, because we've lost that, but a lot of Indigenous and local communities still hold that value Yes. from a necessity point of yes. view, not from a choice. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where the strength is. And I think personally, I see stuff like that and I... I actually envy it. Yeah. I really envy it when I've met people that have such a close connection with nature, even though I feel like I have. Yes. I still am aware that I live in a world that I don't need to value yes. nature. I do yeah. for the sake of nature, but not for the sake of my life. Yeah, and I think I think we've got to get real about this whole kind of, you know, social justice yes. issue. Yeah, you know, yeah. how we go about yeah. this, how we go about trying to kind of um you know, mitigate and adapt to climate change, how we go about trying to kind of halt the decline of biodiversity and then restore it. Mm. We've got to do that in a way that feels socially just 
for all those communities. And that, again, is a really big ask. It's you a know? huge ask, yeah. yeah. It's a massive yeah. change. Yeah. It's a massive yeah. change. Hey, sorry to interrupt the episode, Nature Nerds. It's Ryan, your host here. I just want to give you a quick shout out about something. Into the Wild always aims to be a free show, accessible for everyone. However, running it is not free. If you would like to support Into the Wild and say thanks, then you can do so by visiting ko-fi.com forward slash into the wild pod. The link is in the write-up of this episode. By doing this and buying us a coffee, you are helping the future of Into the Wild. Thanks very much and back onto the show. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and this has been a topic I've seen come up not all the time, but it's popped up in the last two years, is with facing the climate and biodiversity crisis, and let's call it, let's be honest, the food crisis as well that is going through. Yeah. Do you think we are nearing a time where we should step away from feeding birds in our gardens and start offering people, whether it's the practical or just the support, the educational support of supplying more natural alternatives, such as uh, plants that give the seeds naturally or habitat or water areas and stuff like that. also considering that a lot of these foods are grown in other countries that are, you know, food depleted as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's something that we're nearing a time potentially? I think it's a really interesting question. I think, so there has been some scientific mm. research as well that's, that's shown maybe that feeding birds is kind of benefiting some species at the cost of other species. Yeah. So there's that kind of knocking around as well um, in, the, in the kind of ether. I think, first of all, absolutely kind of, you know, wildlife gardening yes yeah i kind of i hesitate to say rewilding because it's a term that's used in all sorts of different ways but but basically making making a green space wilder is a really great way of bringing wildlife into that space you know when i think about my own garden you know the stuff that really brought about change in my own garden was putting in a bit of a pond letting all the kind of hedges run amok yeah you know so lots of shelter water and then yeah planting things like teasels for example you know which the goldfinches love and all that all that kind of stuff um makes a huge difference having said that (laughs) (laughs) i do think that often feeding birds in on your balcony in your in your garden is a way that people really get to have that first connection with nature i agree so you know if if i think about like big garden bird watch which is the big annual yeah. event we do which i take part in oh, yeah i take part on my so every time we're on my girlfriend's narrowboat in london yeah so we have a very large garden yeah. potentially <laughs> don't always see a lot of variation but we have we've had cormorants on our oh. essentially because yeah. they're outside yeah, the boat yeah. at the time so yeah we do take part in it that's great that's great but i think i mean i think something like kind of big garden bird watch and mm. that often goes along with kind of you know feeding the birds in your garden or in your green space or on yeah. your balcony or wherever that that kind of is a really good entry point for people and yes, i think yeah. almost the challenge is to take people from that kind of first step into then kind of appreciating yeah. that we've got to kind of rewild the environment in order to kind of have that abundance back yeah, you know yeah. so it's a kind of a first step in a way so i i i think i mean the other thing you, you talked about kind of you know the global food mm. system and you know kind of bird food as part yes, of that yeah i mean i think you can make sure that you buy your bird food responsibly so there's some really kind of um great producers now who are producing bird food in a way that kind of is good for nature as well here in the uk and you can source that kind of product but i i I think we'll probably never abandon it completely but i i i'm very very keen that it is a step into a broader understanding 
that is about kind of rewilding the spaces because that's what actually really, really matters yeah. at the end of the day. And potentially a bit more balanced with both, I yeah. guess, maybe, rather than yeah. the one-sided thing. Though, exactly. If that exactly. is a first, recognising that if that is where people are first connect, yes. connecting with it, yeah, yeah. How, can how do you we open that door, open that door and get more? through? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the last question of the podcast yes. is the hardest one, um, <laughs> I think, because of people's reaction when I ask it, which is if you could pass on one bit of advice onto everyone regarding the natural world on the planet as specific and niche as you would like it to be what one bit of advice would you pass on <laughs> i love watching people's faces yeah during that question i think i would say be funny if you learn- said feed birds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's that sign you're holding yeah, up yeah, yeah. <laughs> say feed birds say feed birds, feed birds. Yeah, i i think i would say learn more about what is on your doorstep so it doesn't I don't care where you are in the world just learn more about the plants and the and the birds and the the kind of wildlife that's around you on your doorstep and that way you just it just hooks you in and you get to kind of really understand more about the natural world you end up loving it and then you end up fighting to save it so you know from my perspective that's the big bit advice advice I give people Amazing. I think well, Becky, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's, it's lovely to meet you. It's been a pleasure. Lovely to have this chat. <laughs> and I'm feeling like it's not got cooler, but it's got warmer in this <laughs> It definitely has. <laughs> um, enjoy the rest of Bird Fair. Absolute pleasure to meet you and hopefully to meet you again in the future. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you'd like to keep up to date with the guests that have appeared in today's Into the Wild episode, then you can do so on social media. Their tags are in the write-up of this episode. Also, you can follow us on social media at Into the Wild Pod on Twitter and Into the Wild Podcast on Instagram. And if you'd like to get in touch about Into the Wild or ask any questions or suggest any ideas for some episodes, you can email me at intothewildpod at gmail.com. A quick note to say that all the opinions and expressions expressed in today's episode belong to the person that said them and do not represent those opinions held by Into the Wild or anyone that we work with or are affiliated with. Into the Wild always aims to be a free show, however running it is not free. If you'd like to support us and say thanks, then you can do so by buying me a coffee. Our Ko-fi link is in the write-up of this episode. Until next time, keep well, stay safe and live the good life.